Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here as well. It's my privilege to bring God's Word this morning. As Charles said, we're going to be in a new series this week, but we've arrived at the final Sunday of 2017. Can you believe it? But this morning, we're going to give our attention to God's Word in Daniel chapter 9, which you can find on page 746 in the Pew Bible in front of you. While Daniel chapter 9 is the overall context of our sermon this morning, we're going to focus especially on verses 1 through 11 and 18 through 23, which will be the focus of our reading this morning. So Daniel chapter 9. In the year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent Amid, who is made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely seventy years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrongly and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame, as at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and the oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. Moving down to verse 18. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. And while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, presenting my plea before the Lord my God for my holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me, saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, 
for you are greatly loved. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. This is our prayer, Lord. Would you come and teach us how to pray like this? Would you come and teach us how to live like this? We are those who need you to hear us. We need you to forgive us because of your mercy. Would you act? Would you help us to hear from you, to know you this day and your love for us? In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, we've not been in the book of Daniel recently, so I want to give a few broad stroke thoughts on the context of the book. Of course, if you've been around the church for any number of time, you may be familiar with some of the stories from the book of Daniel. Kids, tell me, what happens to Daniel in the lion's den? Do the lions eat him? No. Do his friends burn up in the fiery furnace? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, no. God is with his people. Adults, of course, you may remember the flannel graphs in Sunday school, uh, Daniel's friends in the furnace. What about this one, though? Daniel is reading the book of Jeremiah. We have this beautiful prayer of confession, and then the angel Gabriel's response. Safe to say that there's no flannel graphs for this one which is why one commentator said, kids love the book of Daniel and preachers, not so much. Uh, These familiar stories come from the first half of the book, chapters one through six, which are really narratives about Daniel's life and actions. And this story today is a little less familiar and it comes from the second half, the history side of the book, chapters seven through 12. Daniel is here to show us that God is at work in the intimate details of his people's lives, even in exile. The overall theme of the book is one of God's sovereignty. What do we mean when we say that? We mean that he rules and overrules the events of history. And that's always an important thing for us to consider as we look back at the last 12 months and look forward to the next 12 Every year as a church, we begin our fall series on the love of God. So let's end where we began and finish 2017 with three points we need to understand to understand the love of God. Point number one, God's people live in a broken world. God's people live in a broken world. We can see this in the first two verses And we should note that suffering, it's not the absence of the love of God, but it is the presence of sin in a broken world. And we see the reality of that brokenness in the very first verse. Daniel sets the scene for us in chapter 9. The people are still in exile, and there's a new king in power. We know from earlier chapters that Daniel has been taken into captivity, taken by force from the promised land. And he's now living in Babylon in exile. And he's reading Jeremiah the prophet. And he's reading this prophecy that Israel will be in exile for 70 years. But that time is soon up. And hope, we can imagine, begins to well up inside of Daniel. He dreams of going home that the promised Messiah would come and return them from exile. 
But then he remembers reading another one of the books, in the Laws of Moses, which says that all of this will come true when the people repent. We remember back, God had established a covenant with Israel, saying to them, I will be your God, and you will be my people. But if you will not listen or obey me, then he says in Leviticus 26, 17, and 18, I will set my face against you, and you shall be struck down from before your enemies. And if in spite of this, you will still not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold, for your sins. And so we see this is now the reality of Israel in Babylon. And that's the reality of the brokenness of God's people, but what is the cause of that brokenness? Jeremiah again makes it quite clear that exile is discipline for the sins of the church. And Daniel agrees with him. He knows exactly why God's people live in exile. He knows that their outward brokenness that's on display for all the world to see is because of their inward brokenness. He writes in verse 11 of chapter 9, All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us. Why? Because we have sinned against him. So we can imagine Daniel is thinking to himself, have the people of God changed? Have they listened to him? And I think we all know the answer to that question. The reality is, as quickly as hope wells up within Daniel, it falls to the wayside. Nothing has changed in Israel And you know, our situation is not that unlike Daniel's. We too are still a people living in a broken world. We only have to look at the headlines of 2017 to see uh, headlines of sexual harassment, hideous racism, an epidemic of opioid addiction. These and other events make it abundantly clear that we are living in a broken world. And that reality of brokenness and exile runs throughout the entire Bible and really throughout the entire history of the world. 2017, the cause of our brokenness is no different. The cause is sin. And the reality is sometimes it's because of our own sin, the ways that we have not listened to God. And there are consequences for our actions. Perhaps it's the sins of others around us who who themselves don't listen to God and we can get caught up in the chaos. Perhaps it's just sometimes the effect of the fall. Adam and Eve ignored God and were exiled from paradise. They were exiled from the garden. Why? Because of their sin. And what's true of Daniel and his friends And exile is true of us as well. We too are called to live lives according to the laws of God. But we fall short. Sin stains the world and everything that is in it, including our own hearts. And so think back, are there ways that you've not listened to God this past year? I know 
that that is true of me. It's sad to say that too many times it's true in the way that I've spoken to my wife or the way that I've been jealous at the success and blessings of others. Perhaps how I've ignored the needs of those closest to me. Or how I've remained silent when I should have spoken up for the oppressed. The reality is that God's people live in a broken world. And this brokenness is caused by sin. And so where does this leave us? At this point in the story, with at least two unanswered questions. Will God have mercy on his people? And where is God's love? You should feel tension. In a situation like this, where does Daniel turn? We see him turning to God in prayer in verses 3 through 19, which leads us to our second point. There is only one place to turn. We find Daniel now, as he was in earlier chapters, praying once again. How is he praying? He's pleading with God for mercy, confessing his and his people's own sin. He's confessing their mess. Verses 8 and 9 really summarize this prayer for us well. Look, if you would, with me there. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers. Because we've sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. For we have rebelled against him. When something is repeated, it's important to look at it. And we see this phrase, open shame, a couple times. It literally means, to us belongs shame of face. And so you can picture it like being caught in a lie, knowing that your face is turning red because of the guilt within you. And Daniel, similarly, you can hear the shame and desperation in his voice. And the climax of these verses comes not in 24 through 27 where so many focus, but, but I think in verse 18 where Daniel says this, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that's called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. You see, this one verse gets at the heart of how God engages his people throughout the entire Bible. Again, throughout the entire history. We hear it all the time in the New Testament. Listen to Titus 3.5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And that same principle, it's here in the Old Testament as well. Do you see it? Daniel is seeking God's grace. And how does he seek God's grace? Does he do it by getting his act together? Does he do it by promising to do better in the new year? Does he do it by pointing to all of his accomplishments in the previous year? No. He does it by simply relying on the grace and mercy of God. Daniel turns to the only place that he can, the grace of God. And similarly, that is where you and I are called to turn as well. It's only by the grace and mercy of God that the Lord hears our prayers. 
I quoted some of the rather dour verses of Leviticus earlier about what would happen if Israel disobeyed. But listen a few verses later in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 44 and 45 are these hopeful verses. Yet for all of that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them, for I am the Lord their God. But I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. You see what God is saying here is, no matter how often we abandon Him, He will never abandon us. No matter how much we keep on sinning, He will not abandon them. And there is only one place to turn, and it is to the God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with His people. And so, how does God respond to Daniel's prayer of confession? He responds with hope. And we see this hope in Gabriel's words in verses 20 through 23. Look with me there. This brings us to our third point. We have a sure hope. No sooner does Daniel begin his prayer than God sends his response. I love it. It is instantaneous. You can just imagine that he's typing up this prayer of repentance on his text message and those little ellipses appear on God's end. You know what I'm talking about? The three dots that show up on your message. Daniel hadn't even clicked send yet and he gets an immediate response. Gabriel says, when you started to pray, I was sent. Look at verse 23. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out and I've come to tell it to you. Now, if you've not been listening yet, these are the words to listen to right now. Look at the next words in verse 23. You can underline it in your Bible. You are greatly loved. You are greatly loved. God demonstrates his grace by sending us just the message we need. Just at the right time. Daniel's proclaiming with his whole heart that only shame belongs to us. But in direct response to those words, God gives him a different word. And he says to Daniel that despite your brokenness, he says to me, despite my brokenness, you are greatly loved. Gabriel, we know, had told Daniel no to the answer of his immediate request to end the exile. Gabriel said no. But instead, he told Daniel just the message that he needed. I love you, and I have a plan for you. And it might not be what seems best for you now, but it is. I will provide for you an anointed one, one who will be cut off for your sake that's what, we sh- that's what we see in verses 24 through 27, which describe the vicarious suffering of the Messiah and the everlasting salvation that he brings. God assures Daniel that he is loved and gives him a sure hope in the midst of his brokenness. 
And the great news of the gospel is that this is not just the message that we need, but this is the message that we proclaim. This is not just the message we need, but the message we proclaim. Let's apply this text to our lives. And the reality is that we are called to take that hope to the nations. If you remember, Jeremiah says that it was God who carried Daniel and his friends into Babylon. God is ruling over the events of history, and it turns out that exile was their mission, even though it was also a judgment due to their sin. And we remember it's in this context that Jeremiah says these words, but seek the welfare of the city where I sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on their behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And so that's why we're excited next Sunday to begin our missions month with a new series on the justice of God. What a perfect way to start the new year because this is not just the message that we need, but this is the message that we proclaim. God's people live in a broken world. There's only one place to turn and we have a sure hope and vicarious sacrifice of the Messiah. And so now let's close with three applications for what it means to live a life in exile in 2018. First is this, we must begin with the Bible and prayer. It's really quite simple. Uh, We should begin the same place that Daniel does. In verse 2, we see that he's on his knees in prayer, reading the prophet Jeremiah. It's important to note that this is not just something to do for the super spiritual, but this is our very lifeline, the food that sustains us, the walkie-talkie for us in the midst of war, our anchor in the storm. And so what is your plan this year? What is your plan to read the Bible, to cultivate a prayer life like this? Perhaps 2018 will be the first year that you read through the Bible. We'll send out some links later to help and provide resources ourselves if you want to contact one of us as well. I love our senior pastor James' tip that we would not let the first words of our day be the headlines of some news or a news feed and social media, but that it would be God's word to us. And let us also be a people of prayer. We can't do these things alone. We are called to do these in community. So let's have these conversations in our community groups about how we can pray for each other. and How we can study God's word with one another. Speaking of prayer and even this passage, I want to say a special word of encouragement for our senior saints. We need you now more than ever in 2018. As a church, we're uh, approaching our 75th year anniversary. And if Daniel was 15 years old when he was taken into captivity, we know that many years has passed and he's probably in to his 80s by now. And so you might be thinking, what can an 80-year-old like me be of use in this church? But here is the answer, and it's simple and it's profound, and it's prayer. Know that our church is thankful for you, and that our church 
still needs you. God can use the prayers of an 80-year-old mightily to advance his kingdom. We must begin life of exile in 2018 with the Bible and with prayer. Second application for life in exile in 2018. We must confess our sin. We must confess our sin like Daniel. We need to be able to deal with God honestly. And so let's deal with our mess by turning to God, the only one who can forgive our sins. You know, Christians, we ought to be known for our humility, our ability to admit that we are fallen, feeble, and frail. And so we're called to remember the words that Paul says to Timothy. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Third and final point of application this morning. We must remember that God became an exile for us so that we can come home to him. We remember the angel Gabriel shows up to tell Daniel that he's loved and that God will provide for him salvation. Do you know the next time that the angel Gabriel shows up? If you've been with us the last couple Sundays of Advent, you know that Gabriel shows up again to announce the arrival of that salvation at the first Advent. That God would come to earth as a child born to parents on the run in a place that was not their own. This child would grow up to say that foxes have dens and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay down his head. And we wander outside the city gates to the lonely hill where God experienced true abandonment. And so all the punishment for the sin that Daniel confessed, all of the punishment for the sins that we confess were poured out on Christ on the cross. He came the first time to forgive our sin and shame, but he will come again to bring us home. He says to his disciples, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Christ left his eternal home, became an exile so that we might have an eternal home. This year, as Charles mentioned, is a great time of year to make resolutions, which are well and good. But know this, remembering is more important than any resolution you make this year. Remember the resolve of the Father to send His Son into a life of exile so that we might have an eternal home, that we might come home to Him. Here this morning, you are greatly loved. Remember that, and you will live faithfully as an exile in 2018. God wanted Daniel and the rest of us to know that they are greatly loved and that he will make all things right again. And that's what we need to know for 2018 as well.
Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we too are amazed that you have loved us so and that you continue to love us so. Father, we thank you that you are a God who makes and keeps promises. Even when we don't keep up our end of the deal, we thank you that you hear our prayers as quickly as we pray them. So hear our prayers now. Teach us to pray like this, that we would be transformed into the people that you would call us to be in 2018. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.